welcome back to the Get Fit Podcast, where we chat money, mindset, and a little bit of muscles. I am so freaking thankful that you are taking the time to hang out with me here today. There are a million other things you could be doing. You could be watching planet documentaries about Venus. You could be blowing up your first inflatable kayak. You could be going on your first date, so you have to clean out your car. There are so many other things that you could be doing, and I am so thankful that you are taking the time with me right now, right here. Now, on today's episode, we have Rebecca Howe of Rebecca Howe Coaching. She is a health coach. She has been through the gamut with her health and life, and she has come out on the other side so strong. She's going to give us so many amazing tips on staying healthy, changing your mindset, and just how to be a healthy, good person, to set those proper expectations, create your goals, and to live an overall dream health life. I am so freaking excited for y'all to get to chat with her today. So without further ado, let's do this. On today's episode, we have Rebecca Howe Russell of Rebecca Howe Coaching. She and I connected on Instagram. We just had an amazing chat that I probably should have recorded for y'all, just talking about COVID, talking about life. And I'm so excited for her to share more of her story with everyone and just tell us a little bit about you. What's your story? How you got here? Yeah. My story starts, I guess. I was a freshman at Vanderbilt University and I was diagnosed, I was 18, I was diagnosed with celiac disease, mono. Um, and then that snowballed into underlying other conditions and other diagnoses like Lyme disease, Epstein-Barr, chronic fatigue syndrome, adrenal fatigue, like the list was long. And so I was actually pulled out of school four times in four years for medical withdrawals and really didn't know what my life was going to look like because I the plan had always been like go to college, move to New York, start real life, get a job, all that stuff. So I my friends walked across the stage to graduate and I got on an airplane and and flew home and was in bed for the better part of a year, completely burned out, like unable to do anything. And part of my like coming, well, part of my healing process was all based in kind of lifestyle medicine and nourishing my body really well with food and working with functional practitioners and holistic practitioners. But really a huge changing point was, and part of what brought me back to life was I discovered weight training and I started building this whole new relationship with my body and seeing it as something that was strong and something that was powerful and I'd given it time to heal fully. And so now it was like a rehab process and a really a rebuilding process. So I actually did get to go back to Vanderbilt. I graduated and ended up moving to New York City where I was working in marketing and branding. And I realized how many of my peers were just suffering. Like they had these big goals and these great jobs, but they felt terrible really regularly, whether it was headaches or anxiety or stomach aches. And their doctors were essentially like, well, it's just stress. And it kind of all goes back to this decision like stress is part of chasing your dreams in our culture and so if stress is making you sick then do you, do you have to choose between your dreams and your health is it an either or or do you have to be successful at the cost of your health and that just broke my heart so i went to the mayo clinic and the functional medicine coaching academy and got certified as a health and wellness coach and then i was working with my own coach and really learning a lot about mindset and it was the other key fit. So initially it was that weight training and building this powerful relationship with my body. And then it was understanding like how much my mindset was controlling everything and affecting my physical body, my emotional life, my like stress levels, all of it. So now 
I empower women to create amazing relationships with their body and with their health. I know when they do that, they can achieve goals they didn't think were possible. They love themselves, they're happier, and they have the confidence to get anything they want. So that's what I do now. That's freaking amazing. Also, yay Vanderbilt. I didn't realize you went to Vanderbilt. Down, not really down the street for me, but like it's close. Living that Nashville life. That's a lot of diagnoses. So something that I've kind of like heard other people just like on Instagram talking about is having a functional medicine doctor. I have no idea what functional medicine even is. Can you explain maybe what that is to me real quick? Yeah, so functional medicine takes a more holistic approach to our health. So the current kind of medical model is that there's an illness or a disease. So there's something wrong with you. We diagnose that and then we treat that specifically. And functional medicine looks at those things and recognizes that they're all kind of symptoms of probably an underlying imbalance. It almost thinks of it as if our bodies are always trying to be healthy. They're always trying to thrive. So if that isn't working, what is standing in the way? And so functional medicine really looks at our whole life as as opposed to just our current situation. It looks at the foods we're eating, the way we're thinking, our stress levels, uh, how we're moving our bodies, and then how all the systems within our body are actually working together to create either health and wellness or um, disease and illness. And so often, again, like the traditional medical model will stop at neutral. The whole point is to make sure you're not sick, whereas functional medicine really goes the next step. And it's like, how do we get you healthy? How do we get you thriving? How do we have you feeling well? That's my take on it. So we definitely need more functional medicine in life. I've definitely always kind of been in awe of the pharmaceutical industry to some extent where I'm just like, oh, so there's like a problem and then you take a pill, but then you take that pill for the rest of your life and you just change nothing else. Like that, yeah. that's blo- mind blowing to me. And with COVID as it is now, I think it's really heightened what those underlying conditions are yeah. and that we really need to work through a lot of those things since so many people do yeah. have a pre-existing condition. Part of why they're getting COVID, yes, like COVID might be what unfortunately pushes them over the end, but there were a lot lot of steps that could have been taken before that. So hopefully there's a little awakening up of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think often for me, like the, again, I said like the second key was that mindset for a lot of those people. It's been, obviously there are cultural decisions and societal decisions that played an impact that played into that. But then there's also like their mindset around it. Like if it is normal to feel terrible, then they're, and they believe that that's just like what it feels like to be a human, then that's what they're going to settle for. And, or if they believe that they are never going to have a healthy body, like they're never going to be strong. Well, they're not going to work that hard to become strong because that belief is so ingrained in them. Like even if they're trying to fit with a a fitness plan, their brain is always finding evidence of why it's not going to work. That's very true. I've definitely experience that myself. I've dieted down like crazy, trying to cut weight in the gym, nonstop cardio. And I was, I still just think fat all the time. And then at some point, like when I was really into weight training, I was like, oh, you know, actually, 
I look, I look pretty good. I'm doing really well. And I started like praising my successes and putting the focus on how much can I actually weight lift. And that shift allowed me to be like, oh, I can train so much harder because I'm pushing for a weight goal in terms of lifting. And that changed my whole relationship with food and the gym. And I've allowed myself to make healthier choices because I'm like, oh, if I'm, I need to eat this sort of thing because that's going to help me get to this strength goal as opposed to I would love to be a size zero because that's what the cool kids are doing so how do you necessarily like help your clients with that like when they're coming to you because so many people think of health also in terms of being really lean and being really thin and having this ideal body type thanks society and magazines how do you help them understand that their mindset is attached to their dream body as much as their day-to-day training and their health goals? I love, love that question. So actually you just hit on it so perfectly. So one of the analogies I use with my clients a lot is imagine that the voice in your head, like the motivating voice was actually a person in the room. And so if they were a person in the room and your plan was to go for a run in the morning and the alarm goes off and that voice keeping you in line is saying, come on, get out of bed, work out. You're, or if you don't work out, you're going to be fat forever and no one will love you and like get up and go come on would you want to get out of bed like that person was actually standing over your bed saying that you would be like I have some very very nice words for you and then I'm going to sleep go away the other narrative so imagine now that that same situation but the the person standing in your room is saying hey hey wake up everything you've been doing is working like don't you feel stronger come on you've got so much momentum and we felt so good after we went running yesterday like let's do that again come on let's go let's go which person are you going to join. You're going to join that second voice. But we have been so ingrained in our brains from society that if we're not like hard on ourselves and grinding, that we're like going to go off the rails and have cake for breakfast and like never work out and never do anything to succeed in life. The other thing about that is like that first voice, that like mean, angry voice actually creates stress in our body. And that chronic stress creates real symptoms. It creates anxiety. It creates, it messes with our hormones like cortisol because our body doesn't realize that we're not actually being yelled at by someone that then creates things that affect our stomach and it just we feel terrible we physically don't feel well because of it the first part is like recognizing how our brains affect our motivation and then recognizing how our brains are affecting our actual physical symptoms and so then when you have both of those in place then it's much easier as you said even to make those healthier choices like you're deciding to fuel your body because you want to be able to hit that strength goal as opposed to punishing your body with another gym session so I think my favorite thing that you've said that I've even heard in a while is that you have to be hard on yourself to be successful. Like that idea was absolutely 100% ingrained into every part of my life in academics in school. If it wasn't hard to do, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing it right. Or I'm lazy. If I didn't go to the gym and work out until I thought I was going to puke on everything, I felt I wasn't working hard enough because that's what somebody else was doing, even though literally that person was an actual like bodybuilding competitor prepping for a show and I'm over here just like you know I'd be cool if I could just like you know wear shorts and feel good about it this year it'd be cool I just want to lift some weight but if the idea that if you're not just pushing yourself pushing yourself pushing yourself and you can't take any days off I worked out for years without taking a day off grinding if I'm not at the gym am I really like a gym person am I really a fitness person if I'm not going seven days a week and then uh, I 
stopped going and then I just burned and crashed and was like, oh, all that weight that I held off was because I was just going too hard and it was unsustainable. And so I'm wondering how you're working with your clients who aren't able to go to the gym right now. If they've been really, really good about like going to the gym, getting those really going and getting like fresh foods every week and now they're just at home and quarantine, not wanting to go out. How have you been like working with them to make those health adjustments both physically and definitely mentally in this very trying new time for all of us? Yeah, that's another great question. So I would say, first of all, we start with the why are they doing this? Because I think the motivation part can be really hard for people, like the why bother if I'm just stuck inside all the time. And my clients tend to be pretty high achieving individuals. They work in running like initiatives in healthcare, now COVID. They're becoming lawyers. They're running nonprofits. So they're they're not training for a marathon. They're training for life. It's about being really good at life and life hasn't stopped. If anything, all of those tools that we work on for their life outside of the house are that much more essential right now. And with so many things out of our control and so many things feeling really uncertain, that is a space where our own health is a a space we have control over and a space that we can impact our day-to-day life in a very tangible way. So we talk about, I mean, food, stress management, sleep, movement, and it very much comes down to like, problem solving in the tactical, like what is available to you. But when that why is in place, that just comes naturally. Like if you know you need to move to stay sane, you're like, okay, how am I going to find a way to to stay sane today? Like I'm going to take an online yoga class. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to try out this online workout. It just becomes so much more natural. That's very true. At the beginning of quarantine, I did not run. I did not run really before this. I did like a 5k last year just to be like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then I didn't run for six months. And then in quarantine, it's well, my gym is closed. So I just started running and now I run every day and it, it would, I don't know what I will do. Like if I can't run every day, just like, nope, just casually running 10 Ks. Eight weeks ago, I could not run a mile. So quarantine has been good for that in terms of that. And so I think that's very true when you said that we have control over our health. A lot of people, social distancing, you can go outside and run. Like most places you're still allowed to do that, even just like a walk, because not everyone is out walking, which, you know, they should be, but also at the same time, it's a very sticky situation. So you just pick your times. A lot of people trapped at home, like all day, I'm like, go, go out and take a walk. My husband, he was already working from home in the first place, like before all of this, but he would like go to the gym every day. And now I'm like, you have to leave the house, honey. Like, just go, just go walk around the block. Like you been at your computer all day working, like just, just go take a walk. It's okay. And that's, he wasn't doing that for a while. And I was like, I think you're kind of sad now. And so since I'm like, you just got to go outside, even if it's like 10 minutes, sit on our patio. Like that has done wonders because sometimes you just need to move a little bit. Definitely. And I don't think a lot of people are taking the time in quarantine to move. And I don't understand why, because there's so many free things for fitness now. Like my gym was Planet Fitness. Every day they have a free workout class on their website. Every day you can get onto wow. it. So it's really just like finding the resources. Well, at and some I point. a really good point about with your husband, he has lost some of the triggers that would normally create his movement schedule and his movement routine. Like, oh, well, that's my time to leave the house. And when I leave the house, I go to the gym and I work out and well, now I can't leave the house. And so it immediately like stops that 
gym cycle. I know when I, I was thinking about this earlier and when I lived in New York, I would take the subway from my gym to, to my office. It was a shorter commute and the subway was closer. It was like the right subway, subway line. And so I would always go to the gym because that was the fastest way to get to work was from the gym. And if I wasn't leaving the house for my commute, it would immediately like take out that gym, even if the gym were open and it would make it that much harder to work out. So those site, those kind of triggers and cycles for us are so important to like reintroduce at the beginning of quarantine. I talked a lot about like finding something, whether it's the morning news or something that comes on at a certain time and associating that with your movement. Like I always move after the start today morning show on Instagram or whatever. Hello, my dear friends. What kind of money community do you have? And I don't mean who's your financial institution, what are your investments, how's your 401k, I don't mean that. I mean the people that you can go to when you're struggling to pay off your debt, when you're not sure if you're doing the right thing financially, where you want extra saving tips, where you want budget advice, where you want little teeny tiny savings hacks that can add up so much in the long run. Do you have a money community? If you don't, then I'm so freaking excited to welcome you into mine. It's called My Money Works Tribe. It's on Facebook. We are growing every single day. And right now I am doing, for every week, you can earn $25 for yourself to spend on maybe a little treat for yourself or put it forward with that debt. You know, my favorite thing. And then also $75 to your local community, either your community food bank, a charity you love, something to give back. And I'm so, so excited to be able to offer this for y'all. So be sure to check out My Money Works Tribe. The link is going to be in the bio, and I cannot wait to see you there. That's, yeah, I, thinking about that now, I definitely have that trigger because I run first thing in the morning before my legs have figured out what we're doing. But from the time I get up to the time that I'm leaving is no more than 20 minutes because I'm like, I have to get up, I gotta take my pre-workout, gotta get dressed, gotta feed my cats, gotta go. And like, as I'm feeding my cats, I'm like drinking my pre-workout and I'm just I'm good to go. But if I don't do that, it's not gonna happen later in the day. Exactly. It's just, it's just not going to. And that's, as I'm thinking about that, I'm like, yeah, no, I really only run in the morning. And then if I take a day off, like I usually will decide that the day before. But yeah, that's, that's a good point about that trigger. It's like, I get up, I go to, I go run. And it doesn't even necessarily matter when I get up. Sometimes I get up really early. Sometimes I get up a little bit later, but it's always within that first 20 minutes. It's like, okay, I got up, I got to go run. The trigger pattern, I had not thought that that was a thing. I was just like, oh, I just run in the morning just to get it out of the way the process that goes into me doing that I just thought through because I'm like I do the same thing every single day when I'm getting ready to do it yeah and it's not just I mean those can work in our favor or not in our favor if the habit was like and the trigger was like oh it's the end of day, the day I close my laptop I'm going to go get a pint of ice cream like then you're gonna uh, then you realize all of a sudden I've eaten seven pints of ice cream in two weeks like how did this happen and we have control over the setting up a new pattern where you create I mean, you did this, you created this routine of running every day. That's 
so cool that, or frequently, like you created that trigger that now is working to your benefit. Triggers are important. I feel like I've read that in like a habits book and I've tried to implement new habits. I'm a very scheduled person. My day is planned out hour by hour. So I don't necessarily think about triggers with that, but I do all of these specific things. But I'm going to start uh, noticing some trigger habits. So what do you think is the biggest mindset block that you run into with your clients when they come to you? How much of that is attached to the ideas of what people should be doing versus what people actually want to be doing? Because I have learned things I think I should be doing. I'm like, I don't actually want to do those things. I'm going to do something else that's way more enjoyable that still somehow gets me to the same results. Yeah. I mean, I think you have somewhat nailed it. It's a lot about what should they be doing in terms of what the internet has said, what Instagram has said, what their, even their doctors. I mean, you have spent a lifetime in this body. Your doctor only sees you for a certain amount of time a year, typically. And it's like less than 20 minutes. They have a lot of knowledge, but they don't know your body as well as you do. And so I think that, yeah, deferring the authority to some other source and assuming that because that source is credible, they know better than my, like than you do or than my clients do. I think that that's a really big one. I also think again, that like, it has to be hard is a huge one that if it's not, if you're not struggling, if you're not suffering, it's not going to be worth it. And that you therefore have to be really hard on yourself. So again, if you line those two, like line the dominoes up, if you're doing something because somebody else says it's the right thing to do, and then you're making it really hard because that's the only way you're believe you're going to be successful, like that combo, I think is incredibly hard to stick with and feel really excited about and be motivated towards. So the flip side is I work a lot with my clients on empowering them to be the authority in their life, to trust themselves and also to be compassionate with themselves on a day that they really are dragging. Is it really the best decision to work out today? Like if you are really sore from the workout yesterday, you're clearly exhausted, you're just off. Is it really serving you or is this just something that you committed to and said you should do and now you're like clutching so tightly to that that there's no room. And again, those voices, like that not sounds like a crazy person, but like those two voices. If you're treating yourself with more compassion and seeing, you mentioned this earlier, like seeing your success, seeing where you're winning, seeing where it's going really well, moves the needle forward. Like it moves the needle. It moves you forward. It creates more momentum. And that comes from a place of like compassion and love and support, not a place of you should do it a different way. You're doing it wrong and you need to work harder. That's so true. I think a lot of people do defer that authority power and it's not always even well placed. Like yes, with doctors, like some are going to have good advice. If you have a very serious medical condition, if you have cancer, listen to your doctor to some extent. Please do listen to your doctor. I am not suggesting don't ignore your doctor. There's definitely like, there's that. But then we also just kind of defer to people that we put in a position of like authority that maybe is not there. Celebrities are not really positions of authority. The workouts that celebrities do to get ripped and shredded for movies is not what you are going to do in your real life. What Chris Hemsworth does to get ready for Thor is not 
what you were going to do to not die every day. For me, I definitely put like fitness models on this giant pedestal competing. I'm like, I need to look like that 24-7, not realizing they're posting their photo shoot pictures. They look like that for three days max. They are prepping for a show. There's an end goal, but you never see them in off season because they're just portraying, this is how I look, I'm competing, I want all these shows, look at me perfectly tan, and just negative percent body fat. And I'm like, oh, I want to do whatever they're doing. That sounds great. They look really good for 24 hours to get on stage. And I gave a lot of my fitness authority to that. I was like, oh, I don't look like that. So I'm really not doing very well. And I feel like it took a long time for me to just be like, that is their job. They are a sponsored athlete. That is what they get paid to do. I do not get paid to do fitness. If I got paid to do fitness, I would probably also have a six pack 24 hours a day or at least like 12 hours a day. Yeah, like in the morning, I'd be like, these are abs. This is cool. All right. And then you eat for the rest of the day and you just don't take those pictures. So to some extent, I enjoy the shift on Instagram. So like slightly more reality where you're seeing people and then all of the bodybuilding shows that got canceled this year, like those athletes are like, well, we're just reversing already. And I'm like seeing that. Like there are people that I've been following forever. I'm like, I've never seen you not totally shredded. And they're like, well, we're just reversing back because, you know, we got six months before a show. And I'm like, oh, you do do other things. And like, it's like mind blowing to see athletes as like real people. You know, I don't have a nutritionist and like four personal trainers and millions of dollars to make me look like this right now. And I think I forget that that professional athletes have a full team. Yeah, on that idea, I read an article years ago about a woman, an editor for a magazine in the UK, did a full Victoria's Secret runway, like the big show prep. And she was already like 5'8 and in great shape. Like she did not have that far to go, quote unquote. But it cost, I think it cost over $20,000. She got sick like three times because of how hard she had to train for it. She had a nutritionist. She had to get massages once a week because her muscles were so sore. She had to have like the list uh, went into that. It was not like she was like, I ate a hard boiled egg and I did Pilates for an hour. And like, that was how I became a Victoria's Secret mom. Like, no. And it worked. It totally worked. But like the price tag on that is four months of your life. She missed out on birthday parties. She missed out on friends. She missed out on all of those things. And it costs like $20,000. Like that's the real sacrifice. There are some people that do want to do that, but really, the average person who is just trying to like eat healthy so that they can live like a long life so that they can be with their family their kids their grandkids you know just be able to not get winded walking downstairs looking at people who are paid millions of dollars potentially to be professional athletes at a at a one percent tier get discouraged very easily because they want to be that and they aren't that. And I think that really rags on a lot of people because they seem so normal and obtainable, even though you're like, oh, I read about them in a magazine and they have like a million subscribers on the internet. That's not necessarily relatable in any real good way. No, definitely. I think that reality check is really important for sure. And and also, I mean, you have a really good point with the, like, they want to be able to enjoy their life. And that's one of the things I say over and over is that in my mind, the dream is to be able to go on the vacation, to be able to spend time with your family, to be able to eat the really good food, to be able to show up and crush it at work and feel well enough to do all of those things and to really be engaged with your life. Like, 
to love it and feel like you're filled up on it. And it's really hard to do that when you don't physically feel well. Like have you ever tried to enjoy a birthday party with a migraine? Like it's not fun no matter who you are. It goes both ways that like you need to train for this. You can feel well to enjoy it. What you said about you're training for life. You're training to have a good life, a sustainable life, a ideally long, happy life. Most people will have get married, have kids, want to see those grandkids. And in like today, life expectancy sort of falling, the amount of people that are just on a million pharmaceuticals, just having to get like heart valves replaced all of the time. And all of the money that you have to spend on not dying when you could just eat better food is, is kind of like a crazy price tag. Like the amount of money that you will maybe one day have to spend on heart surgery and then the heart supplements to keep you alive when today you could go for a walk and eat some vegetables but that's somehow harder to do than like well I'll have surgery when I'm 60 it's fine it's fine it's yeah to get I mean, that long term the idea is it's expensive. I don't have time. I don't want to feel deprived. With women, I hear a lot like I don't want to be selfish to step away and take care of myself or like inconvenience others. But all of those things, if you're in the hospital having a heart valve replaced, all it is expensive. It takes time. You feel deprived on every like hospital rooms are not. You don't feel like you're living. You're if you think quarantine's bad, like go hang out in a hospital. It's terrible. And if like it affects all the people around you. They're scared for you. Like it's far more considerate to take care of yourself and show up and be present and thriving in your life on a daily basis than to put it off until you have to make time for it. I mean, there's that quote, if you don't make time for your wellness, you'll have to make time for your illness. And I just like, there you go. That's, that's so true. So happier subjects, not dying y'all. So for the rest of 2020, what are you most looking forward to? It honestly feels like 2020 so far has been like 18 years I was talking to my friend today and I was like did February even happen what happened in February with how quickly April went by almost the end of May in the speed world that we're living in what are you looking forward to for the rest of the year yeah well so I've kind of joked that I have been training for quarantine my whole life because all of those years that I was really sick I did a lot of staying home and focusing on my health. I actually am really loving that I'm enjoy- like enjoying having it all right now. And I can't go out and there's so much that obviously we can't do at the moment, but I'm healthy. I have energy. My body and my mindset are stronger than they've ever been. And I like truly believe it gets to just keep getting better. Like I have connected with so many amazing people during quarantine. I've connected with so many of my old friends who are all over the world and who we've actually both had time to like jump on a Zoom call. I think that 2020, no matter what it brings, like I feel like all of that still continues to be possible and it still gets to just keep getting better. That's so true. Like quarantine, I've also been training for quarantine my whole life because I'm a total herbit and I don't really like to go out in the first place. So, oh, I can't leave my house and I just like get on Zoom and I just call people. Done. I'm in. Perfect. And I've moved so many times. Like I did seasonal work. So I've lived in all all these different states so the idea of only talking and texting to my friends no big deal fine by me but it gave me more time to connect with more people 
I started this podcast like a week before quarantine like even started and since then I'm like oh I've made so many incredible new connections I've managed to schedule this I cannot even fathom how I would have tried to schedule as many podcasts with people in different time zones as I have if I'm still working so I'd be like well I'm on this time zone and you're on this one so I guess we can only do this in the middle of the evening quarantine has been like a blessing there's so much more time to work on things show up for my audience and for other people and like call attention to the things that matter it does not matter if you can go to target for four hours and buy two things it matters if you talk to your family and your friends and see how they're doing every day that you can and i fully intend to see my friends after quarantine and i feel like it's gonna be so much more we still talk all the time but when we see each other we'll be like we've literally not been able to see each other for so long oh my god yeah give me all the hugs and then wash your hands so i feel like <laughs> the friendships with people are going to be stronger because they've been able to connect more with communication instead of activities they're having to actually talk more instead of just going to do things they're connecting so i feel like that's a really nice thing that's going to come out of it for a lot of people yeah i think it has given us the opportunity and if you've chosen to take that opportunity or not but it sounds like you definitely have to be more intentional and to really pay attention to like what brings me a lot of value in my life what do i really care about that gives space to let go of the things that we were doing out of habit like going back to those triggers and like the things that you're like oh i always stop for this snack on the way home from work that you realize i don't really that doesn't need to be a part of my life and then you're saving money on that and then you have that money to spend on something else or to pay off your debt or whatever it is so there's just so many things that we i think do out of have done out of convenience and had that given this like huge consciousness interrupt we have the choice to like really be intentional and get to you know squeeze life every drop out of it we don't necessarily have to be in the same toxic environments that we have been in we don't have to deal with the same things we literally got not necessarily like a reset button but like a pause to be like do i want to keep doing like what was i doing before quarantine was i happy am i happier in quarantine not having to be at this job that makes me miserable i don't have to see maybe friends that weren't actually very good for you like we've all got those friends who you know we've known them for so long but they're really maybe not that good for us but we still always see them on a regular basis and now that we can't we're like oh actually we're a lot happier and then the intentionality to set new habits people who haven't ever been exercising because they were embarrassed to go to the gym maybe they are doing those at-home workouts maybe they have looked up things that they can do at home because now they have potentially 10 more hours of their day to do something they're not as tired from going commuting two freaking hours some places to be to sit at a job that they don't like for eight hours and then being too tired to go to the gym now they're like they're sleeping more they're able to cook more because they don't really have an option so i feel like there's been a lot of good health shifts just almost by necessity (laughs) or the excuses are gone the excuse of i'm too tired from work is gone yeah And if you're not doing it now and the excuse is gone, like, why are you really not doing it? And I think that's like such a great place to either coach yourself on, to work with a coach, to think about what is actually holding me back? What is that? And that's where like, again, the mindset partners with the actual like action of health 
change. Yeah. And I'm just so excited for all the people who have had that space to really think about it, who are going to pivot and change and bring new things into their life because they finally have time to think about it. Because if you're just in the hamster wheel of your day-to-day life, maybe you don't think about why you're actually not doing anything, why you just say, I can't do that right now. I don't have time. Now you can evaluate priorities. And I'm very excited to see how many people shift their priorities towards a better health plan going forward. Yeah, a million times. All right. So I always love to end the episode on your final thoughts. I will have in the show notes for this, your Facebook coaching page, websites, Instagrams, all that good stuff so that everybody can find you and follow you. But what is just the last message that you've got on your heart that you really want to like share with people, have them take away? If they remember nothing else from this, what would you like them to remember? Yeah. So the thing that I want as a takeaway for all of you listening is to trust yourself. You don't have to know how or why. Um, you don't have to, it doesn't have to make sense immediately, except that it's on your heart and that if it feels good to you, if it feels good in your body and really, truly not just like the ice cream cone feels good at this moment, but like if you really feel better, that is the right choice. And there may be a right, another right choice later in the week or even later in the day, but you can't choose wrong. You can only make new right choices. That's, that's (laughs) amazing. I love that so much. I've gotten so many good quotes out of all of this. And I'm just so thankful that you got to take the time, that you were flexible to reschedule, and that we've just talked so much goodness. I am so excited for everyone to hear this. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been so much fun to get to connect with you and to chat. And I'm so glad that you are feeling better and don't have poison ivy anymore. And it's just been so inspiring to get to have this conversation. And yeah, I'm just really hopeful that there's more content like this in the world. And we are grateful. Gonna get changing their lives and their habits. Love it.